I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out to practice. With your host, Keith Barney. Deglio, baby. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. I was dancing so hard, I forgot what to say. Keith and I started a second show, which in its first month has completely dwarfed what we've attempted to do here for two years. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which me, Keith Barney, and my old buddy, Michael Deglio, discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season six, episode 17, Fireproof. It sounds like an exciting episode, and not for nothing, we are in uh, 617, which is also the area code of Boston, where the uh, show takes place. How's it going, Mike? Hey, Keith. It's going well, man. I uh, just got back from the beach, so this isn't OBS saturation you're seeing. This is the golden hues of summer. That's what it is. Ooh. It's not OBS saturation, ladies. Mom. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it was great. I was in, uh, Wildwood, New Jersey this past, uh, Thursday to sing, uh, wow. Schmerzy Sh- Boys version C, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which went pretty well. My mom hasn't seen me do it in a while, so, or ever, really. So, I, I this was the first time I'd ever rehearsed with these guys, sang with these guys, so it, it could have gone a lot worse. It was, didn't go great, but it could have gone a lot worse. Uh. Ringing endorsement. Uh, but, Keith... There was some paparazzi footage. <gasps> there was! Oh, I'm so excited. So, I decided since uh, I, it's not too embarrassing, I'll, uh, yes. I, I thought I'd go ahead and and share some of it. So here is so uh, a excited. bit of a tune uh, that I didn't screw up. Not too embarrassed, didn't screw up. Let me give you some applause. Oh, wait. Or dramatic <laughs> underscoring. That's it. I beat the wrong button. Hold on. I have it here. 
Oh, oh come on. Uh, there it is. It tracks. Hey. It tracks. Actually, uh, the, Sounds fall, great. The, uh, the fallout uh, from the actual uh, singing of the show probably requires the <laughs> dramatic music, but that's a conversation we had offline. Um, yes, indeed. But that's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Mom got to see it, and it went and went good. And uh, yeah, I don't know what my hair is doing today, but how are you doing, man? What's been what's been going on? Oh boy. Well, uh, it's sort of a cross promotion here on KME Entertainment, but uh, we do this other show about Star Trek action figures, about this old line from the '90s, and uh, just as we started, they just announced that the original company that made these action figures just re-got the license. So. I'm scrambling to make a prepare for a video, a like, here's a wish list. Here's the figures that I want you to fill out the line that's behind me. And I was going to do a top 10. And at this point, I'm a little over 40. So it might be a few videos, uh, but I'm very excited about that. Uh, so that's uh, that certainly got me up in the morning um, because I'm hoping for, you know, more toys. I haven't even finished collecting the, the original series from the 90s, but... And you, Lord knows, the new ones are going to be like thirty bucks a piece, and we can't afford any of them. But yeah, I want to. I wanted to. I was going to take a moment, an opportunity to make fun of you, but I got to say I'm pretty excited too because, uh, you know, my my role in that show was more of a uh, completely ignorant bystander, and that's well, different. How? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, however, <laughs> uh, since these these will be new, I might actually mm -hmm. be able to get in on the ground floor. Uh, and maybe start my own little collection, or at least uh, our hope is maybe we can get in and get get reviewing those toys if we can get a hold yeah. of them. So we'll, uh, but hey, you know what? Go ahead and check it out. It's right on our YouTube channel. You can check it out. It's look yep, at my Star right Trek below toys. Here. And uh, just like you don't need to be a fan of the practice, you don't have to be a fan of Star Trek. Hell, I'm not. And you can still uh, enjoy the show. So there you go. That's true. And uh, you know what else you don't have to be a fan of to enjoy? It's a little segment we call We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We, we failed. failed. It's time to give the world what it was. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. So I'm sure all of us are raptly waiting for an update on the latest addition to our cat menagerie. Well, we had a, we had, it was tough to go for a minute because we, all of a sudden we got his right arm swelled up real big. Oh uh, no. And, but he wasn't limping or anything, which is bizarre. So of course we couldn't call, it was, this was in the evening, we couldn't call the vet. So I just went down the Google hole and he had just gotten all his vaccines and they had warned us that there's a small, 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 small potential for some sort of a uh, uh, tumor. That's why they do the, the vaccines real low on the arm so they can amputate if necessary. Oh, Jesus. But it's, don't even worry about it, they said. Well, the damn arm swelled up huge and I'm like, well, damn it, now he's gonna be amputated and we're done. But he wasn't hurting and he was still playing. We went, took him to the vet the next day and they were like, well, let's, let's monitor it for three days. We were going away this weekend and so I came home last night and was just assured he'd be like laid up and unable to walk, but it went away and uh, there's no more bump, no more swelling. And on top of that, my other fear was that though he's been getting slightly along with my orange cat, I thought potentially orange cat whose, whose problem is that he sometimes plays too hard and I thought he might hurt him. Well, he's rambunctious. 
I just walked in on them basically uh, cleaning one another and sleeping together. So uh, they've become bros very it's quickly. Amazing. Well, did, did you, are you, can you post the picture you sent me? Because it's I'll put, amazing. I'll put it up right here. I just took it. So I, it's, it's not, it's not loaded into the OBS, but. Uh, are we, we going to have another, uh, uh, I'll put it right here now. And then it never happens. And then Phoenix gives you no, shit. No, this time it's going to be here. This time it's going to be here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's been going great. He's, uh, he's doing good. Cece is still, uh, my first cat is still wary, but she's, that's just her nature. Yeah, well, is is she getting a little bit more free time from being bothered by Didi now? Yes, I think it's a net win because she she really just wants to be left alone and to to love me and my wife. So mm -hmm. that's uh, I think what's going to take place. And uh, but some cats, she would have been much happier as a solitary cat. Speaking of right. solitary cats, yeah, I, I think there might be one on the other end of this OBS. Uh, well, there is. I don't have a lot of news other than um, he he. Uh, adores being brushed. That's his whole his favorite thing in the whole wide world. If I hold up the brush, he'll come running across the room. Other than you know his his wet food, and so uh, this morning I gave him a pretty pretty significant brush because he could use it because he's a long haired cat and there's a lot going on there. And uh, it's been about four hours and he I think he got shot. He is on the chair behind <laughs> me, dead cat, completely dead cat. Uh, apparently right. that's uh, that's his off switch. Just brush him for long enough, then he's done. There are, uh, actually, uh, you know what, well, let's get, I'm gonna take this cat bumper out. Okay. Um, we will, let's next week, let's schedule next week's, I've been watching some things I wanna talk about, but I'm not prepared to do so right now. So let's schedule next week, we'll do some more TV. I'm sure we've, well, there's a lot of things, and we'll be able to discuss, Keith, one of, both of our favorite things next week, which That's is the, right. the Olympics. Assuming, assuming, assuming it happens, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, un things are getting dicey. Like scary story with the cat aside, get your damn vaccine. I don't. I can't imagine anybody listening to this would be dumb enough not to have a vaccine yet. But if you are, eh, get your vaccine. What's wrong with you? You're going to kill yeah. yourselves. The things are things are happening. Uh... You know. And uh, ruin it for the rest of us. But uh, speak of speaking yeah. of ruining it for the rest of us, let's go into filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. <laughs> filings and subpoenas. I'm a little slow today, and I just tracked your segue. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty good. Well, uh, so this week we have an we have an interesting one because it's not really the practice related and it's not even really us related. So if it's not about me, I'm not even sure why I'm talking about it. But we have a, an update in the life of our good friend and moderator Phoenix Cage, who uh, who writes this. Yes, my usual comments and criticisms were delayed. I hadn't been I hadn't even finished last podcast by the time this one was released. What are you doing? <laughs> you don't have three hours of your week every week to listen to us immediately? I don't understand. He says, you see, I've been busy lately. As you know, I've been planning on moving across the state, but that has changed. Now I'm moving across the country. Two months from today, I'll be driving to my new home 2,500 miles away. Given wow. that I'm almost as old as you two, I'm sorry, I realize that I only got one more move left in me. So I'm going to get far away from the Midwest while I still can. Earlier this year, I was considering moving to Denmark. 
I even joined a Facebook group for American expats living in Denmark. After asking them a question, one said, oh, by the way, you should probably know that in Danish, cage means cake. I said, well, that's it. I'm out. I can't live the rest of my life as Phoenix cake. Uh, although, to be fair, cake is one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. Yeah, I who know... wouldn't want to be associated with cake? I mean, Constantly. like, who, who doesn't like cake? I think I you might be the bun most cake, a birthday bun cake for my sister-in-law, and it was just a delight. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a vanilla birthday cake guy. But, this is uh, what we've devolved with to. sprinkles. This is what our <laughs> practice podcast has devolved to. I like cake. I like cake and cats. Wow, we're really going out on a limb there. <laughs> he, uh, hot cake. he says, "Who's gonna t- uh, hot cake? Yes, who's gonna take me seriously?" So instead, I'm moving to where the weather is perfect because it's the opposite of the Midwest. The summers are dry and cool. The winters are mild and wet. It only snows once every four years, and it gets above 80 for only two weeks a year. I'm talking about Portland, Oregon. As a cyclist and a landscape photographer, it's perfect for me. And given that I've heard about the people there, I'll blend right in. (laughs) It's true. Uh, These really are my only reasons for going. I don't know anyone there. I've never been in the Pacific Northwest. I just think I'll be happiest one day settling down in a cabin in its mosquito-free forests. Portland's beautiful. It's rainy, but it's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, in case anybody's wondering, he did continue with, oh yeah, feel free to read all of that. A few episodes ago, you omitted the personal parts of my comment, which I actually think most people would have found the most interesting part, but there's no need. Being on here doesn't even come close to provoking my sense of privacy. There are probably more people who can see into my 13th story bedroom window than listen to this podcast. And boy, is that the truth. Phoenix I won't even say zing. With a zing. I won't even say zing because it's just straight up facts. Sometimes it's just that the truth is the truth. And uh, Mike, why don't you give us the truth on how people can write to us? If you'd like to contact us, let us know where you're moving. Let us know where you're moving from. Let us know whether you like cake or not. Just write to us. We really would love to hear from you. <laughs> We're very lovely. Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on the social medias, Out of Practice Podcast. Keith, I want to mention in this segment as well, I'm having mm. a little bit of my a little issues here because our, our ultimate goal was to extend our lease uh, maybe a few months past October while we research how we can get ourselves back towards New York City. Right. Without moving into the city, because I will never do that. However, our timetable is questioned right now because, so the in 20 years in New York City, the most my rent was ever, ever raised on a year-end scale was maybe 3 to 5% maximum. Okay. Sometimes never raised. I'd go lease after lease without raising the rent at all. The most I ever had my rent raised on me was $105 in 20 yep. years. Sounds about right. Got the lease renewal for this apartment, a 20% year over and So they want to raise my rent $325. Oh my God. So I have to, I don't really know what, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just have to go and talk to them and say no uh, and see if I can negotiate it at. That's insane. Know, I don't, I really don't understand. The, the waiting list can't be that, there can't be that many old people that want to move here. Maybe, I'm wow. wrong, but we'll see. So, who knows? If you have a house for sale uh, within 45 minutes to an hour of New York City, give me a call. Or in my neighborhood, hello, I've been trying to convince them to move into my neighborhood for I don't know how long. 
Yeah, I send Jen a lot of posts. She never responds. So uh, I'm waiting to see. All right, so I need to be talking to Jen then. Jen is the... I got to go straight to the CEO. I got to get past the receptionist, IU, and go straight into the office and talk to the CEO. Okay, well, this I can do. Jen, I'm coming for you. All anyway, right. all right, what yes. else? What are we doing here? What are we doing? Uh, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to hop back into the time machine. Oh, it's that time every year. And we, every week, episode, whatever, uh, we are going back to April 7th, the year 2002, to answer life's eternal question. Mike, what was going on? This day in the basement. Well, Keith. Last week, we got to talk about CEO Jen's birthday many, many mm -hmm. years ago. This year, I want to do this year. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This <laughs> I week, did it to I, you. It's my fault. Yep. This week, I want to do something a little bit different. Uh, I got married on April 6th, 2014. I remember. I was there. It was really yes. good Indian food. So I'm thinking back to April 6th, 7th of 2002. So you're yes. talking, what is that? What's 19 years ago. 19 years to the day. And I was in a pretty crappy relationship, mm -hmm. uh, trapped right up inside of it and wondering how to get out of it, uh, thinking, oh man, maybe I'd be better off single. Uh, so we once, well, many years ago, I did a bad Photoshop of, uh, of New York City dreaming. And so here's my new New York City dreaming, uh, Mike's Gets Married edition. Um, <laughs> that was me exactly in 2002 on the right, and then on the left is uh, me in 2014 on the same day. Uh, just, uh, I didn't know, but I uh, good things were in store. The it gets better phrase actually applied in this, uh, in this freaking uh, department. Yes, it did. I mean, it only took 19 years. That's true. It, only, it was only literally half of your lifetime. Yeah, but we got there. We got there. At we the got the there. Day. That's the important part. That really is the important part. Uh, yeah, that's really sweet. See, Jen, you know, wouldn't you want to move to a house in uh, in New Jersey with that guy? I mean, he's so sweet. He's got a lot of cats. That's, that's loose. A that was a loose, a loose attempt. <laughs> but uh, Keith, we, while I was taking a pee before the podcast, I heard mm -hmm. I heard some uh, somebody saying "Brava, Brava, Brava." Uh, tell yeah. me what that's all about. Well, okay, so lots of things were happening. It, it's for this time in my life was crazy because it was the last two months of my collegiate career that included uh, an opera performances. It included uh, my senior recital, which is coming up, uh, so on and so forth. So a couple of things going on. One is uh, the production of La Boheme that I mentioned uh, before took place this weekend, uh, which... Uh, Went very well. I was I was only in the ensemble because uh, I, I I did not get the part I auditioned for because no I small shouldn't parts, have gotten Keith. it. No, no small no, no, parts. No. Uh, and I, I couldn't find a clip from that production, but I do have a clip of one of my classmates uh, who I attended all of my classes with in a subsequent production of La Boheme. I can only just say that uh, we both auditioned, neither one of us got the role, but uh, this is how she turned out.
So that is my old friend Nicole Cabell. And uh, the fact that we weren't cast in this production is just about the only thing we have in common. <laughs> because she turned out to be uh, a big old star. She sounds phenomenal. I was live, too. Uh, so that's what's going on there. Also, I was preparing for my uh, senior recital, and I was searching for a string quartet to play on my recital because I was doing uh, Vaughn Williams on Wenlock Edge, which is for tenor and string quartet, sort of a song cycle. And so I was emailing around like, anybody want to play string quartet on my senior recital? So that was happening. And the third thing that happened was I got an offer from the opera director at, uh, at school to do a summer at Ohio Light Opera. Uh, being, you know, being a sort of featured ensemble in their whole summer of stuff, which I turned down, strangely. Um, but uh, as I went through all the emails, like, I can sort of see where my thinking was. I was already, I, I won't really tell the story till I get to my senior recital, but I was already realizing that perhaps I was ready to take a swerve, to take a different lane, uh, in my life, and that was related to why I turned down uh, a really good summer gig performing, which I'd probably take today, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was all the things that are happening next week. I'm going to tee it up. Next week, I have one of the most uncomfortable and humiliating experiences of my life, Ooh, which I, I will cannot tell wait. you about. That I will be fun, wait. right? But in the meantime... Let us zoom further out beyond our own narcissistic tendencies into the whole wide world of April 7th, the year 2000. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Well, folks, would you believe that Ain't It Funny, Funny is still taking over number one. This is uh, another another cover here. There on your screen. The uh, top Sounds movie was... great. The top movie was Panic Room, uh, which took in $18 million in its second week at number one. The Burlington Free Press talked about battles raging in the West Bank. Glad we solved that. Oh, you put Panic Room on the screen. Look at you. Damn, you're so professional. I try. <laughs> Nothing looks more professional than this screen right now. <laughs> Streamlined. 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 <laughs> Stream oh, this girl is really going for it. Oh, you know what else is going for it? Everybody's favorite segment. It's time, it's, time, time. it's time for sports. sports. The Boston Bruins beat the Sabres 8-5 in a wild game at the Fleet Center. Glenn Murray and Mike Knubel each scored two goals, and they also had goals from Ralston, Stumple, Samsonov, and current general manager Don Sweeney. The Flyers beat the Panthers 6-2 in the final regular season for both teams. They would soon both be starting the playoffs next week with the Bruins facing the Devils and the Flyers facing off against the Leafs. Ooh, that all in, buddy. Exciting time in hockey. In great two. time to be alive. Great time to be alive. Great time to be alive. I did not experience it as great at the time. I was very stressed out. Not surprisingly. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. 
It's time to talk about the damn episode. Oh boy, we are talking about the practice season six, episode 17, Fireproof. That sounds exciting. It was written by Jonathan Shapiro, who last wrote on Man and Superman, which was also exciting. And directed by Andy Wolk, who last directed Dangerous Liaisons. And that leaves us, really, with only one thing to do before we get to the episode. And that is... What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? I'll do rhythm, what? you do lead. What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Mm. Well, Jimmy, it's interesting you should ask because I'm coming at you today. We're oh, snap. Quickly coming to the end of the season, we need some sparks to begin flying. And so this week, Keith, what I think is going to happen is... We have a fire that decimates the firm's office. Ooh. And while we are looking for uh, suspects, Bobby and Eugene, Eugene specifically, turn their eye towards Jimmy as they are afraid that potentially a gambling debt that he said he was over forced him to burn down the office for the insurance recoup. Wow. Well, that, uh, let me tell you, that's hot, but is it sexy? <laughs> Jimmy then is so smoke inhalated that he has to run around in his skivvies. <laughs> Wait, how does inhaling smoke mean you have to take your clothes off? How does the skivvies become part of smoke inhalation? I'm doing it on the fly, man. What do you want from me? <laughs> Well, the, look, that is somebody's version of sexy. That is a that is a a a choking Jimmy taking his clothes off for no reason instead of drinking some water or getting medical attention. Well, that sounds like a perfect segue into the episode. So now it's time. If you would like to listen to us, listen to the episode, hop over to your podcasting service of choice, or if you're already on podcast, just stay right where you are. And we will see you back on the YouTubes for the oopsies. Hey, folks, it's season six, episode 17, Fireproof. Fireproof. There's Jimmy, clothes on. All right, what the hell's going on? For now. Take it easy. You take it easy. Trial starts tomorrow. Why is our co-defendant talking to the DA? He's cutting a deal. What? He can't do that. We had a deal. A joint defense all mapped out. Hey. I called out of courtesy. But our client is innocent. Well, mine's... Sorry about that. Pleading guilty. Sorry, Jimmy. It's just how it is. Art. Damn. At least what it tell is, us he what he's saying in there about our client. I know that lawyer from somewhere. Okay, that lawyer who just double-crossed our heroes and our hero's client is played by Basil Hoffman. From the artist, ordinary people, all the president's men, my favorite year, and old dogs, but is oddly uncredited in this episode. 
So hot. She sucked the air right out of my lungs. I did play with matches as a boy. And then you get older and you need it to last. Give her air. She'll come big for you. She'll come big. Jesus, for you look at that. Keith, could you please tell me who is... Guy who just made it sexy for Mike. Most subtle performance of an arsonist of all time. Uh. <laughs> Wait, so so you were saying before I so rudely bumpered you away. Oh, I was going to say, Keith, tell me who this subtle, non-scene chewy arsonist with very uh, grounded dialogue is. I mean, think about it. All the arsonists you've seen on movies and television, they go for it. I mean, come on, you yeah. gotta go for it. I never saw, to be honest, I've never saw an arsonist who was in it for the sexual delight of it. Almost all of them are. Oh, are they? I don't know. Hot take. Yeah, hot take. There you go. If, if you're an arsonist who's not doing it for sexual gratification, write us at outofpracticepodcast.hotmail.gmail. <laughs> we can talk about anything. It should be hotmail.com, but it's Gmail. Sorry. Mm. Uh, this is Michael Massey who uh, has had a long career playing folks like this, including uh, Interventions, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, Flash Forward 24, Carnivale, and 7. The entire cast you of 7 has been on the practice. Helen. We want the jury to believe you, not to be sickened by you. You think you can manage that? I love the new haircut. Makes you look like my ex-wife. You know what? Mr. Tucker. Yes, Mr. Walsh. A night watchman died in that fire. Cooperating against your co-defendant is the only way you avoid a life sentence. Turn code. Take this seriously. Exposition! Yes, I understand. I said I'd testify against Ronald D'Ambrosio, and I will. Thanks for his last name. He hired me to burn down his business. He's guilty. The jury will believe me. They'll convict that mobster, I swear. <laughs> we need more exposition. <laughs> now, Ronald D'Ambrosio, the mobster. Could I please watch the end of the day? He's the co-defendant. What else you got for us? He's co-defendant. Okay, well, we have an interesting case here. We have a arsonist and the guy who owned the building, burned it down, a... Uh, the maintenance person was killed in the or night watchman was killed in the process, so it's a murder case. Uh, lots going on here, Mike. What do you think? I think that no one does indignant "you disgust me" face quite like Lara Flynn Boyle. Yeah, no, she re like that's half of her uh, half of her job. Although Smitrovich does a good job as well. Yeah, not bad. I guess they've buried the hatchet, so it seems ish. Uh, they're still working together. Maybe they're are they just gonna are we just gonna ignore that Smitrovich had a. Uh, a rough go at it last week? I don't know. I, I, no spoilers, man. That's that's our deal. 42 years, biggest manufacturer in the North End. And it all went in less yes. than five minutes. Yes, Breaking Bad is back in the building, baby. Ding, ding, baby. Ding. Guys, it's Mark Margolis. 
from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, also from Oz, Hannibal, back to Scarface. And on Next Generation, he'd played Dr. Nell Apgar in A Matter of Perspective. Wow, my goodness. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. And as we're watching this scene, I remember. You, we should, you, you should really go and watch the episodes always so Hulu doesn't sue us. Uh, but like, look at the unbelievable set they have back behind them throughout this scene, which they take full advantage of, of a burned out sort of a warehouse thing. I have to believe that this was built for some movie also done on the Fox lot or whatever. And like all the TV shows decided to write an arson story to use this set because there's no way the practice would have had the budget to do this all by itself. Also, look how fucking suave Bobby looks right now. Oh my God. They all, it's like all smoky in there. He has given us blue steel right and left. And it all went in less than five minutes. You remember it, Jimmy. You worked here as a kid, right? During summer vacation. I remember. Exposition. I remember how heavy this stuff was to move. Beautiful tables, chairs, solid craftsmanship. This place was my life. Your father, Lenny, worked 20 years. He knew the man who died, the watchman. He was a friend of mine. He knew I would die before I would burn this business. Mr. D'Ambrosio, we need to talk about Tucker. How can he say I paid him to do it? before he said we were innocent. He's agreed to testify against you for a reduced sentence. This is a nightmare. I'm innocent, but I can be convicted of murder anyway, sent away for life. We're gonna do everything we can to make sure that doesn't happen. I'm two times businessman of the year, sons of Italy. I know. Stop saying you know, you don't know. It wasn't always so nice for us here. Sure, now we got a mayor, a governor, but nothing changes. Not for us, Jimmy. What do you mean? To your face, it's always respect. But behind your back, they talk, they assume. Stunningly well. I mean, you could be Justice Scalia. If your name ends in a vowel, they think you're La Cosa Nostra. Scalia's a bad example for that. He's not mobbed up. I understand, but his business was hurting and he did get the insurance. He's innocent. In our house, the Holy Trinity was Pope John the Twenty-Third, JFK, and Ronald D'Ambrosio. Why would t- Keith? You know, I know a guy who had a uh, air shipping company uh, who that burned down and uh, was uh, under auspicious circumstances. Do you know? Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly, he may or may not have been related to me. To a crime he didn't commit. Your your Whatever background, reason, you've, been, wrong, uh, you've been a bookie. You've a, mis- yeah, a mysterious, mysterious background, you sir. Can't lose. That's just podcast fiction. For months, we planned a joint defense. Now, out of the blue, our co-defendant pleads guilty. Which is his right. The DA engineered it so the plea would come on the eve of the trial. Mr. Tucker initiated that deal, not us. Come on. It is true. He called Mr. Walsh first. Even if that is true, our client has been denied his chance to prepare a new defense. Mr. Donald, your complaint is with Mr. Tucker, not the DA. If he broke his word to you, sue him. I can't keep the DA from making deals. They can make them whenever and with whomever they like. I can't help you. Then, Your Honor, 
we asked the court to consider dismissing the indictment for vindictive prosecution. Excuse me? We believe they've targeted our client because he's Italian-American. He's right about that. Jimmy, what are you doing? We would like time to conduct discovery into the issue so Do that- Do you have any evidence to suggest this happened? Most organized crime cases involving arson have been against Italian-Americans. Why else would a respected businessman even be on trial? Because he collected a huge insurance settlement after his business was burned down. Allegedly. The fire was an accident. Then he has nothing to worry about. The jury will acquit him. Your motion's denied. What's a Damn. what's a legend that he got the insurance settlement? He either did Jim or he Rosie didn't. You first year, fine. But pull a stunt like that and you will lose. It was a shot. He needs to see we're fighting for him. Just don't lose your credibility in the process. Jesus Christ, Bobby. You never you've never uh you've never thrown if a curveball? You hit this. <laughs> you go right to the files. Uh-oh. Oh, right. You are totally computer literate, which is cool. <laughs> Why isn't Doogie in school? <laughs> His name is Skip. We got a Doogie Howser reference, people! Yes, we do! <laughs> Doogie hitting on our good friend Marla! I thought you were going to try to rhyme Doogie with Lucy, and I was ready for it. But uh, No, it's because I, I forgot Lucy's name for a second because, oh. you know, dementia. Uh, but we should definitely introduce him. Because uh, Skip here is played by Matt Zuckery, who uh, Zuckery, uh, who is now kind of a big deal. He's uh, the lead on the The Resident. He was also on The Good Wife and Gilmore Girls and Hack. Uh, so he's uh, he's gone on to have quite a career since this Doogie moment. It's about time that uh, that Lucy gets like a, something positive happening to her as well. Yes, Hopefully, unless he's going to put a VCR in her closet. I don't know. He might. He's a tech guy, though, so probably going to be like a uh, hey, you want to be on a podcast? Digital Computers are never fixed. If he'd quit hitting on Lucy, hey, want me to start you a GeoCities page? <laughs> You've totally mastered this system. Most people would take like weeks. Took you like four so days. Netscape 3.1. Awesome. <laughs> Although he's real close. Until to you guys upgrade, there's some things I can't do. Thing with computers, they offer so much. All you have to do is sit back and let them do it for you. It's as if they want to. Uh -oh. Your hair smells like summer. That's, Are we done? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. And he's doing it literally in front of all of her coworkers who are staring at them literally six feet away. Yeah. It's very it's subtle, uh, it's subtle, just like the you fire. Guys are my friends. Yeah. Oh, that is so nice. Thank you. Yeah, the computer stuff's just promotional. I have other businesses. Really? Tutoring. Investing, plus I'm a scholar athlete. Skip. Lettered, cross country, school, junior achievement. I got a lot going on. Here, if it's too much, just put it toward next time. Can I put it towards something for us? Like dinner? The Ambrosio gave me the key. That's how I got in. Made me feel awkward. Yeah. Slow cigarette. This guy's really giving us. Match. Go over it again. I'm a designer. I bought furniture directly from D'Ambrosio. Mostly for my eye tie clients. 
They just love those heavy, dark woods. Those and when make... did he give you the key? You pushy bitch. Why don't you let me tell the story? Mr. Walsh, may I speak with you? You're personalizing I'm this. I'm not personalizing anything. The guy is scum. We don't get to choose our witnesses. Look, the jury will hate him, and they will hate us for giving him a break. We have no choice. Cutting a deal with Tucker gets us two convictions. Without him, D'Ambrosio walks. I'm not sure that's a bad thing. We know he's done business with at least two crime families. Legitimate business. He sold these people furniture. And we think laundered money. Look me in the eye and tell me you really think D'Ambrosio's innocent. I'm not sure. I have concerns. You have gone too far before. So that's what this is about. You just had a murder case kicked because the court found out you lied. I didn't you lie. You were there, I remember. Not yep. really. Feels like only last week. Besides, yeah, you weren't exactly week, yeah. pure on that yourself. My point is, sometimes in our eagerness to get the bad man, we can lose our way. I haven't lost my way, Helen. You killed cops! I'm still doing the job the public wants me to do. <laughs> Multiple if anyone times. has lost their way, maybe it's you. Remember back in season one when I thought uh, Helen was going to join the firm? Oh, shit. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> so our subtle suspect lit his shirt on fire. He's literally just playing the Joker from a Once comic Once he broke book. the lamp... He used the sparks to light the legal pad. You gotta be kidding. This is your chief witness, a sick lunatic. Who your client hired to talk- He didn't. Jimmy. You're destroying a good man's life. You want to impeach Tucker with the fact he committed arson in custody. That's your right. Sure, you want us to do that. It'll help your case. Look, we have a continuing discovery obligation to tell you if our witness commits a crime so you can use it against him on cross. We've done that. See you in court. If he's not guilty, why would your guy have met with Tucker? Maybe I talked to Tucker about business being bad. So what? I told it's a very you before, like law and order feel. He was a customer. Yeah. He bought furniture from me. But there are no receipts. They burned up in the fire. Your accountant yeah, didn't Yeah, so maybe copies. I decapitated Bobby, the lady, but I was a busy Wednesday. Well, you're right. You know, your law and order is 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 true because. What we don't usually get is on-location detective work, right? Right. From our dudes, which is actually a pretty cool look. It's a, it's a, it's an efficient way to get exposition, obviously, but also it, it, it solves an issue we bring up a lot of times, which is that we don't. There's not a lot of discovery taking place, right? It's always the 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 information drops are usually through some sort of Deus Machina m mechanic or right. Uh, some random like exposition heavy chit chat that happened back in time, right? So it's cool to have it happening. Us be getting discovery in real time along with our heroes. Well, they're gonna get their money's worth out of the set too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of walk and talks with the set. Look, without proof, Tucker was a customer. We're screwed. No jury's gonna believe he did business with a crazy man. He was an interior decorator, for God's sake. They're all crazy. Okay, the thing is, all the sales were off the books, cash. 
there never was paperwork. Wait, I don't understand. You were evading taxes. I'm not the only one, believe me. How could you do that? Am I on trial for not being a saint now? I paid millions in taxes over my life, more than my share. Just how much of your business was under the table? What the hell difference does it I make? I'm on trial for taxes. murder, not- I'm just trying to understand. Jimmy, let it go. So, it's bad there's no proof he bought furniture. What do we do? We got no choice. We stick with our original plan. There was no arson. The fire was accidental. Even if Tucker did set it, you weren't involved. It's not great, but it's all we got. Did our lottery ticket hit? No. Um you're lucky in love. You came so late, you missed the singers. Don't tell me that they, they were pretty good. Yeah. You think Skip will ask you to the prom? I'll drive you guys if you want. Yeah. You know what? This isn't funny. I'm going to have to tell Skip to stop it. You know also, how bad that like, makes me feel? I think it should be noted, Skip is in high school. So that's, yeah, and that's the problem here. Uh, and it's not the only problem. I mean, we've spent episodes with various members uh, uh, Eleanor specifically being like, you know, like my love life isn't a matter, isn't a joking matter and something for fodder for conversation. And, yet, and it, it's definitely not a comedic subplot for this episode, especially when Lucy was clearly uncomfortable in the beginning. And like the three of them are like doing like this musical theater. Yeah, it was like, staged like anything goes like right there. The Cinderella sisters. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. What a waste of like three... <laughs> Incredible actresses. Yeah, that's true. When the heat of the fire reached 165 degrees, gosh, should we write a B story? No, no, no. What do we think about like a comedic musical theater number? It set off the sprinkler <laughs> can, system. Can, the, can Lucy do a water song? Which tripped an alarm at dispatch. When did the inspectors played by Stephen Ramsey? Fan. Within five minutes, but by then flashover had taken place. The fire burned so hot and so fast it literally exploded the building. Where did the fire start? It had two points of origin. It's called now, fires don't naturally have two starting points. So we brought in a dog trained to sniff out fire accelerants. What did you find? The place had been soaked in linseed oil. That's a common fire accelerant. Did you review a coroner's report of the man? Linseed oil, also the number one thing used to uh, treat high quality wood products. Oh, would make sense. And who died? I did. The position of the body and the pink flesh so in the trachea totally show that he did place. not die of smoke inhalation. He burned to death. Combustion was so quick and so intense. It was. You use a cutting board, Keith, in your kitchen? Uh, we don't. Oh. We have we have uh, the countertops, like the granite stuff or the wood. Uh, well, should you get stuff. a nice wood wood block uh, cutting board or whatnot? The great way to treat it and keep it nice is linseed oil. Mm. More like a Thank bomb you. than a fire. Thank you. practice podcast, not brought to you. Before the fire oil. was even out. You assume this was arson. I assume all fires are arson until I can prove otherwise. But you had no direct evidence this was arson. Unless we catch them at the scene holding a match, we never do. Did you check the electrical system to see if that could have caused the fire? We didn't find any system failures. There still could have been one. It's possible, but... Your report says you found forced entry into the building. I found a door had been kicked open. But that could have been one of our men ventilating oh, wait. smoke. 
Or Wait, a homeless it. person could have broken if it. You, if you watch carefully, fake Louis C.K. is back on the jury. Oh, I got to go back and see. Hold on. Yeah. New report says We've seen him before. Yeah, 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 we have. There he is. The door He's been back. Open, but that could have been one of our men ventilating smoke. Or a homeless person could have... I if that's an extra, usually, or if they just like, pull somebody from the, the, like, the staff, like a PA or something that you've, you've used a few times. Well, I'm sure they use extras, but maybe when the extras call in sick, they pull in the accountant. Yeah. Broken in to get warm and accidentally caused a fire. It was cold that night. Isn't that possible? Yes, but... You just told Miss Gamble the place was soaked in linseed oil, but your report said you didn't smell any. It's possible the fire was so hot it burned off that evidence. Well, couldn't something else in the warehouse have contributed to the fire's heat? They use lacquer to finish tables, solvents, thinners, all of which can combust when it's hot. But as you said, it was cold that night. So that kind of combustion is not possible. Plus, the dog didn't alert to other fuels, meaning they weren't there. Well, they were. But like you said, the fire was so hot, it burned them all up. Good line by Jimmy there. He's, mm -hmm. he's doing a good job. If you're gonna play the theme from Ice Castles How'd again, you know? I'll... You know, d don't say anything. Just come here. What are you doing? I don't like to give these people material to make fun of me with. I'm sorry. I just really want to show you how I feel. I know. <clears throat> okay, I know. You're embarrassing me by sending flowers and showing up like this. You're the most beautiful, most special woman I have ever seen. Skip. You are. My whole life, I've always thought if you want something and you work hard and believe enough, you can have it. Why do you talk about me like I'm a school project? I would do anything for you. My parents were young when they met. This isn't gonna Lucy, turn out well. I love what, you. Are you seeing downsides to... Uh... Lucy dating the underage weirdo? Uh, he oh, seems hashtag obsessive. And he has an engagement ring. <clears throat> I know it'll be tough because we're young, but I think we can be happy. The scoring is not matching this moment. Yeah, what is this music supposed to be telling us here? I have absolutely no idea what to say to this. Just don't say no. Can I say... Call 911? Get a restraining order? Had the defendant recently increased his fire insurance policy? What a, a weird the fire, He doubled it. Super The weird. warehouse was insured for $6 million. Before. The stock, an additional $2 million. This is Morgan After Fairchild? Fire, did he file a claim? For the full amount. We conducted an investigation and found that Mr. D'Ambrosio's business was losing money prior to the fire. His orders had dried up. Yet he was still manufacturing new merchandise to stock his warehouse. What did you do? We forwarded our suspicions to the DA, along with our findings. But you paid the claim anyway. Why would you do that? The law says if we fail to make a payment within a reasonable time, we can be sued for bad faith and face triple damages. Juries don't like insurance companies, and we didn't want to risk a trial. You didn't want to risk a trial. Again, You'd rather my fan. client risk one. Is that so many fans. If my client is convicted of arson, he'll be ordered to pay restitution to you, meaning you'll get all your money back plus interest. If he defrauded us, I think we're entitled to that. 
you could also bring a 93A fraud action against my client and get triple damages, meaning your company could end up making money off of this fire. I suppose. When you handed the fire inspector your report, you were hoping they'd come after Mr. D'Ambrosio. The law requires that we report all suspicious fires. But you have the most to gain if my client is convicted of arson. Arson costs insurance companies billions of dollars, which, frankly, we pass on to consumers. We all gain when arsonists are punished. Move to strike. Non-responsive. Sorry, Mr. Baluti, I'd say he responded very directly to your question. Objection overruled. That's Charles Chaffee, back as a judge we've seen many times So before. far, I say we played them even. Which is good. Honestly, no. Trials have a momentum. People make up their mind before closings. We wanted to create reasonable doubt with the jury before Tucker got on the stand. That stuff about the insurance and your business going down. We knew they were going to bring that up. The whole country's in an economic downturn. Every business has insurance. The point is to have any chance at all, we need to take Tucker out. Bobby, I want you to cross-examine Tucker. Mr. D'Ambrosio, wow. I'm preparing. Jimmy, you're fired. Jimmy, you're getting shelled in there. That gamble, she scores every time she gets up. I got a right to call for relief. You're not doing the job. I don't think that's fair. You know, I don't care now what watching you this think. After you Breaking want to put Bad, me in prison he's so murder. terrifying. You understand that? Yes, correct. You're treating me like I'm public enemy number one, like I'm from the gutter, after I spent my whole life proving that I'm as good as any of them. I can't afford to care about your feelings. I got to be smart about this. I want the Irishman to cross Tucker. Not you. Oh, okay, then. That was racially specific. Mm-hmm. It's him. I can't answer phone. it. I can't believe you got engaged before me. I'm not engaged. At least two carrots. How much did that cost? Yeah. I don't want to know. At least $6,000. They're literally the wicked stepsisters from Cinderella right now. But he wouldn't leave until I promised to at least think about it. It is kind of sweet. I know. I know. Hello, Skip. You're where? Listen to me. I don't care how you feel right now. Don't say anything. No. Until we get there, do not speak to the FBI. Oh, shit. Did you just say the FBI? Skip's been arrested. For what? Something about federal wire fraud. ring? The police arrested me at the scene. I was videotaping the fire. You do that a lot? Only when I set them. The police searched my house. They found my whole collection. How did you set this fire? I soaked some fabric with fuel. There was a bolt of upholstery in the warehouse, a very nice flame-stitched pattern which seemed appropriate. What kind of fuel did you use? That dog was right. Linseed oil. Tell us how you ignited the fire. Not wanting to burn myself up, I used a delay device. All you need is a lit cigarette. Why did you set this fire? My ex-wife's lady lawyer got her a huge alimony. So when D'Ambrosio complained that his business was tubing, I offered to burn it down for $50,000. When did you make this offer? One week before I did it. We 
We met on the commons in the middle of the day. How did he pay you? Up front in cash. We did all our business in cash. How many fires have you set in your life? That's like asking me how many times I beat my ex-wife. I can't remember exactly. By testifying against my client, I'm you sorry, get a pass on sorry, is he supposed to be a bad guy? Files. I'm having a hard time telling. And a reduced sentence for felony murder of the night watchman in this case. I deserve that. I never meant to hurt anyone. Your obsession with fire. You ever gratify yourself sexually watching a fire? Have you? Answer the question. What if Bobby was like, hell yeah. yeah. That. Hell yeah. So I'm your motive for setting well. fires isn't economic. You never set them for money before. No, this is the first time I took money for it. Ever lie about setting a fire? To avoid getting caught? Yeah. Like you're lying now to avoid punishment? I am not lying now, Mr. Donald. Nobody can verify any part of your story about getting paid for this. Your client could. Move to strike. Sustain. The jury will disregard. Mr. Tucker, isn't it a fact that you approached the DA and suggested you'd accuse my client? It seemed like a good idea. You say my client gave you a key to the warehouse. Where is it? I lost it. What about the money? Sorry? The 50000 you say my client gave you, where is it? You wouldn't believe me. Try me. It burnt in the fire. I left it behind in the warehouse. I always wanted to have money to burn. You were right. I didn't do it for money after all. You're so smart. You're not. Not if you expect this jury to believe that story. Nothing further. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, if he... If he's just burning it for fun, why would he have any communication with the guy at all? Like, what's the... Why not just burn whatever you want to burn? Your boyfriend ran a pyramid scheme. He's not my boyfriend. Lucy, please. What Folks, do you people think Skip did? I bet you he recognize that voice already. On a $25. The U.S. Attorney! Guy we know. Guy we know from a million things because he is Emmy winner Joe Morgan, who uh, won an Emmy for Scandal. You also uh, would know him, of course, from Terminator 2. I mean, come on. One of the most legendary sh movies of all time. Also was in Speed. Eureka, God Friended Me, Proof, Smallville, er Eric, Mike, Dragonfly, and Equal Justice investment how through a chain letter email each person sends out five dollars to five other people one of whom is always hyman then they forward the email to as many people as possible hyman got five dollars from 1400 people guys is it going to be uncomfortable if we name this guy hyman and then make every scene we have to say his last name a bunch of times <laughs> writers anybody uh, no, but I, you know, it's, it's going to be fine here, but I think what it might be uncomfortable is 20 years from now, some, some idiots are going to do a podcast and then they're going to, they're going to bring it up and that's, what's going to be uncomfortable. Uh, okay. Yeah. Then they talk about breaking it down and stuff. Yeah. 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 He must use that money to buy the ring. He's not even 18. I thought the feds didn't do juvie cases. We don't, unless there's federal jurisdiction. He committed federal wire fraud. The U.S. attorney must have better things to do than this. Oh, we always have time for high visibility cases. Wait a minute. You're putting out a press release on this? For deterrent purposes? Absolutely. You're going to ruin this kid's life. How much trouble is he in? 1,400 separate counts of wire fraud at five Shit. per. Shit. 
7,000 years? Only if they run consecutively. The good news is, we've decided you were not involved. Me? What makes you think she was involved? She barely knows Skip. Oh, really? Then why did he spend the night at her place? Uh -oh. Eleanor, Shit. not here. What? Yeah. Well, I will say this, Keith. I do, I do have to say this. I have heard, anecdotally, that when you buy an engagement ring, you should spend at least two months, two months salary or no. uh, defraud 14,000 people. Yeah. Well, uh, but what, what, here's, here's my question. I, I, at this point, I don't care about the ring anymore. You're stuck on the statutory rape? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> okay. it's 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 so funny. It really does just stick in your craw, just like like a piece <laughs> of beef jerky in your teeth. Like, oh wait, no, statutory rape. I care more about that than no. Much Lucy else didn't here. bang this kid. She didn't. Well, let's find out. Not now. Lucy, the rape counselor, did not steady rape this guy. I knew of all the people. Me. I even took my spikes. Skip, where's your mom? I didn't call her. I called Lucy. You need to call her. I want to introduce you when it's right. Not now, like this. These guys are psychopaths. That chain letter. I swear, I didn't know it was illegal. Someone sent it to me first. It doesn't matter. Please, don't let this affect your decision. We can still be happy. Lucy, what are you doing? This I guy's insane. I have to insane. admit I did cash business with Tucker. You need to explain how it is you knew him and why there is no proof. That for some reason that might be my favorite line in the seven thousand hours of podcasting. Lucy, what are you doing? This guy's insane. Proof. I'll have the IRS <laughs> all over me. You'd rather get convicted of murder? You need to testify. If you don't. The jury will think you're hiding something. I got nothing to hide. I do business just like they do it up on Beacon Hill, only they don't charge them with murder. Can't he take the fifth on the taxes? If he does, his whole testimony will be struck and then he will definitely be convicted. If you had crossed Tucker better, I wouldn't have to testify. You know what? I've had enough of this. I haven't said anything before out of respect to Jimmy, but you're out of line. Hey, I'm paying for performance here, not excuses. End of story. I'm putting you back in charge. Feels like they weird just called. added conflict. D'Ambrosio's no testifying. He's up after lunch. That's good. Is it? The defendant doesn't take the stand unless he has to. Or unless he's got a good story. <laughs> Better be good after Tucker. I wasn't so thrilled by his performance. He did enough. He looked like something that just crawled out of the toilet. The jury knows what's going on. They know D'Ambrosio's guilty. I, I'm not so sure I agree. I don't care. I can't afford your internal debates, Helen. We've been losing too much. It's hard enough to win these cases without you second-guessing our motives and methods. If you can't do the job, then get the hell out. But until you do, you go after D'Ambrosio hard and win this case. I've been in business a long time. A lot of companies went overseas or down south to save money. I stayed in Boston. 
I've done a lot of good by giving jobs to a lot of people. It's never just been about money, not to me. The people in my business, they're family, and I would never hurt my family. Do you deny knowing Norman Tucker? No, he was my customer. I sold him furniture for several years. Did you hire him to burn your business? Absolutely not. I have nothing further. Yeah, I mean, there really isn't much else to get into. Like, There's no did, record did it or you, you ever sold any furniture to Mr. Tucker. It was done in cash to avoid taxes. That was wrong, I admit it. What about the chemical dumping? Do you admit that was wrong? Objection, relevance. Goes to motive. Your Honor, the EPA was investigating the warehouse for illegal waste disposal. The fire made the investigation moot. Overruled. I'm an American businessman. I'm used to being overregulated. I don't burn my business because of it. Business for you was bad. Business goes in cycles. It goes up, it goes down. You had operating losses for six straight quarters. I don't shrivel up and die because of a bad streak. I work through it. I was coming back. The fire came just in time to save you from losing your shirt. Times were tough, yes, but it didn't stop me from serving on charity boards, raising money for a new hospital in the North End, paying my employees on time. I didn't commit any crime. He's awesome. Mr. Tucker was your customer. When was the last time you two met? I don't remember. If we have a witness who says he saw you with him on the commons one week before the fire, would that refresh your recollection? That's not good. Curveball. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. You don't sound so sure. Objection. Withdrawn. But it could be just her fishing. So I'm saying it could be a knuckleball, not a curveball. I have nothing further. Don't swing at it. Way to stare down. Yeah, that's not weird. That was for TV. And TV stare down. Oh, I was waiting for the commercial. <laughs> it's been going on for six weeks from when he first fixed the computers. It was the end of the day. We talked to begin with. Oh, she banged him. He's really smart. And he's They've got been going this for energy. six weeks. It's just the age difference. He told me he was 18. Besides, I never slept with him. Okay. He just stayed over one night because it was late. Lucy, I'm the last person to judge anyone about things like this. Believe Except me. Except for, you know, a little statutory rape. I do judge that, yeah. No, not if she but didn't bang him. There's a part of me that really likes him. You can and sleep there's nothing over. wrong with that. It's yeah, just, but Lucy like... Hatcher? I understand I that that's a big, bright line, but like, let's say, like, Hi. I had a 17 year old really sorry friend like this. who was like, I was hanging out with constantly, who was deeply in love with me. Like, it's your job to shut that shit down no matter what. Well, I mean, it sounds yeah. like they were making out and stuff, but yeah, she just so never like, slept with them. Yeah, so like, like you, you, you shouldn't be making out with a 17 year old, period. How old is Lucy? How old is Lucy? I think she was like 19 when she joined the show. So maybe she's, she's probably 24, like 24, 25, something like that. I mean, just, just think about if the genders were, were reversed, right? Because mm -hmm. okay. that's, that's always the test. The test is always, all right, let's say you've graduated from college and you're picking up your girlfriend in high school. Sorry, no. I don't know if it's as cut and dry. I see what you're saying. 
I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not planting my flag one way or the other whether she did anything wrong. She didn't sleep with the kid, but that which goes to show that she was taking the relation. It's not because he was he was underage. She did think he was eighteen, but th- she th- wasn't that is sure. True. <clears throat> she wasn't certain that that she wanted to take the relationship to that level. She was exploring those fields because he was so into her, and it's nice to be liked. Yeah, I don't no, know. I mean, if if she Keith, had, you're putting her in prison. <laughs> This is Lucy. Well, She's been a victim. She helps victims. We have every reason to to give sure. her the benefit of the doubt. Well, but she has every she has all the knowledge she needs to like, let's wait till you're out of high school and then let's talk. All right. Keith is a relate Keith the relationship expert Varney. Skip is right. <laughs> you are very pretty. Oh shit. Now Skip's As mom's hitting on her. Skip's mom. You are it's a Linda Kearns. Son won't fall for. Too bad Skip fell for such a slut. Hey! My son was perfect. Then he meets you. Now he's a criminal. It's a little nutty. We've got to traumatize. A business is ruined. Lucy further. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. But only to bed. Don't sleep with it. Only if he's over 18. <laughs> Ronald D'Ambrosio may not have hit not the match, say. but he's the one who started the fire the day he hired Norman Tucker to torch his warehouse. But for D'Ambrosio, the fire never happens. And the night watchman is never burned alive. See, most arson cases are based on circumstantial evidence. This one isn't. Norman Tucker gave direct testimony. Kept waiting for the big twist in this case. Hasn't really happened thus far, but the big twist of the episode is that the B case, which started as a Three Stooges sketch, is actually the more interesting of the two matters. ...against the defendant. He told you how he committed the crime (laughs) and why. Money. Norman Tucker wanted to earn some by lighting a fire. D'Ambrosio wanted to earn some... You know, only this podcast could have me internally in my brain counting the syllables of rapey. <laughs> it's just two. I know, I'm, I'm not going to use it. Okay, Thumb good. through that's, insurance that's fraud. probably wise. You may not like Tucker. You may be disgusted by him. I am. But the fact remains. Tucker pled guilty to an arson that the defendant paid him to commit. When you have a criminal conspiracy, you can't expect to find nice people involved. We didn't choose Tucker as a witness. D'Ambrosio chose him to be a partner in crime. You stick a crook in a nice suit, he's still a crook. Ronald D'Ambrosio is a crook. My client has been a pillar of the community for almost half a century. You could argue that they should build a statue for him. Instead, they charge him with murder. My client thinks what they really blame him for is being an Italian-American. He thinks if his name was Cabot or Lodge, they would never have charged him. I don't know. There's been so many bad movies and overhyped television shows 
Maybe people do think, if you're a successful Italian-American, you must be mobbed up. I know this. Having insurance is not a motive. Filing an insurance claim is not a crime. They didn't even prove this was arson beyond a reasonable doubt. And they never presented any evidence linking my client to any arson involving Norman Tucker. Their whole case is built on the testimony of a demented, admitted liar who may or may not have started this fire, but who says he sexually gratifies himself watching buildings burn. When the government gets into bed with lowlifes like Norman Tucker, it ought to make you mad. Don't convict an innocent man on the basis of bought testimony from a crazy man. Ronald D'Ambrosio is not guilty. A Brooklyn plan Bush for this guy. Louis C.K. Yes. He pleads to one <laughs> felony. If he keeps his nose clean, you expunge the conviction. Please. He's a good boy. I don't know. He'll have to make full restitution and immediately forfeit any property bought with criminal proceeds. Can I talk to Skip for a minute? Stay out of this. Mrs. Hyman, please, maybe you this- You whore. Lucy, please don't. I'm sorry. I'm just not ready for that kind of a commitment. I love you. Oh, for God's sake. Maybe we should give them a little privacy. If it's the ring- Should you? I'll get you another one, please. It's not the ring. I care for you. But this is just way too- Give me that. My son is taking the deal. He'll plead guilty. And you, stay the hell away from my son. Her anger's not unwarranted. Of course not. I'd be yeah. so pissed. Yes, we know where you stand on this, Keith. <laughs> As long as you're standing and not laying down, God forbid. Jimmy, take my Rolex. If they take me into custody, I don't want the guards to steal it. Specific. Will the defendant please rise? Man. Has the jury reached the verdict? We have, Your Honor. As to the charge of conspiracy to commit arson with intent to defraud and felony murder, how say you? We, the jury, find the defendant, Ronald D'Ambrosio, not guilty. Wow. Gentlemen of the jury, I thank you. This concludes your service to the Commonwealth. This court is adjourned. Two weeks bad run for uh, bad DA. Yeah, he's probably not going to uh, be a fan of Helen right now. Helen did her due diligence. She did. Oh, what a relief. Thank you both. Well, I got to tell you, we got five minutes and 42 seconds. Uh, some, yeah. uh, this feels like uh, we're going to see Breaking Bad making out with somebody, like making out with a mobster in the bathroom or something. <laughs> we got all feels the making of one, one of these. Yeah, Twisty yeah. Mc, McBobby Twist. Well, let's find out. Jimmy, you're a good man. I knew you could do it, Jimmy, even though I told you you couldn't right. do it. You saved me from being wrongly convicted. Not that it didn't cost. 
What you made on this case would have taken your old man five years to make. He would have been so proud of you. You think you knew my father? Jimmy. Didn't I? My father admired you. I admired him. Blue-collar guy, son becomes a lawyer. That's the American dream. You didn't know my father. What are you talking about? Get it out, Jimmy. A clerk once gave him too much change. Maybe two dollars. He realized when he got home, drove ten miles in the rain to give it back. The man couldn't lie. And I used to think, what a jump. He has so little, and he doesn't even know how the world works. He paid his taxes, waited his turn, played by the rules. He was so naive, he thought guys like you did too. Mr. D'Ambrosio, my father was a better man than I will ever be. I wish I could tell him that. Tell him the kind of a guy you really are. Jimmy, I was innocent. If your father thought I was a hero, well, maybe he was wrong. I'm sorry. The truth is, I'm just a businessman. Yep. I mean, absolutely stellar scene. Yeah. Absolutely stellar. Well, they're both being honest, you know? to plead because I knew Wash would be desperate and he'd give me a good deal. I'm going to ask you one more time. Did Mr. Walsh encourage you to falsely incriminate D'Ambrosio or not? If I admit lying on the stand, I wouldn't get a reduced sentence for the fire. Unless you want to give me a bigger break for giving up Walsh. No. You're still going to serve time. You need to go away for as long as possible. You can't prove that my testimony was untruthful. You still have to give me a reduced sentence. Unfortunately. Goodbye, Mr. Tucker. I'm sorry I can't help. I know it'd make you feel so much better to blame Walsh. You're such a team player. Walsh wanted to believe me. What was your excuse? Nice. Whenever you got close to asking me about the details of the fire, about the key, all I had to do was insult you and you forgot to pursue it. A good prosecutor would have known I was lying the whole time. Ambitious and incompetent. They'll make you a judge if you're not careful. Nice. Turns out I burnt the place because I hated the style of the furniture and it made such a big fire. <laughs> of course, I never said any of this. Good night, honey. God. They actually had such good dialogue for him. I just... 
I just think he oversells it. I just, it's just too much. I'm sorry. Generally, we don't get too critical about the acting. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's the direction. Maybe they just told him, you know what, be a, be a, a comic villain, a com comic book villain. But it's just, it just does not ring any sort of true for me. Yeah. No. And especially since we've had such remarkably good, more subtle villains, e you know, even with the, uh, with Hinks, who was so scene chewy, it was still a little more contained. Like he, he rode right up to the line without crossing it. And I, I agree with you right. that this crosses the line a little bit. And the dialogue is good. And all of the yeah. sort of psychological attacks on Helen are great. Yeah, for sure. Oh boy, you have gotten Next. through another episode the of The Practice. Who'd you kill? So uh, hop on over to the YouTubes and we will do our after show show right now. And we are ba 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 back, baby. We are back. We have just watched Fireproof. Boy, a uh, lot going on in this episode and I wish there were some... Something that could possibly help me remember uh, what it is. Uh, perhaps a segment we call... Mm, two, three, four. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment. 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 Hey, baby. Uh, we're all on fire. Oh, I'm on fire. And so's Breaking Bad's warehouse. Jimmy, whose dad used to work there, is defending him. He goes through the ringer at one point. He says, I don't want you to defend me because you suck, Jimmy the Bozo. I want Bobby. But then in the end, it's all good. Jimmy wins the case. Oh, meanwhile, uh, Lucy almost gets uh, engaged to some psychopath who's uh, obsessive and uh, he buys her a ring with uh, fraudulent money. Yeah, okay. That that was that was much of it. Uh, let's <laughs> fill in. <laughs> let's fill in the gaps in a segment we like to call... Client in the hot seat. Lucy's fiance is nuts. <laughs> Bad DA gets burnt. Ooh, you are able to work two fire-related things into it. Amen. I would say perhaps you're on fuego. <laughs> en fuego? En fuego. On fuego. In fuego. And uh, we're we're all hoping that Lucy was not in fuego Legrante with, uh, with the teeny boppers. <laughs> well, as long as she did it behind closed curtains, just like we're going behind the curtain for a segment we call... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. 
What the hell are the oopsies? I, mean, I don't sounds, think it was the first one. It's that you it, did it like six times. It sounds healthy. It sounds oh, healthy. no, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's what they taught us. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, Woo! All right. We have an MVL to hand we do, out. We do. And I think at the end of the day, uh, this week, it goes to Jimmy Berluti. He took the case uh, to help his uh, father's old boss, he learned a little bit of something about his dad and about uh, the way shit works. Uh, he got ridiculed by the client and yet still pursued, as Jimmy has proven to do many times, he's, he lets go of those personal matters and still does his due diligence, does his hardest work, and he got an acquittal for someone who it does appear was innocent after all. So uh, I'm not gonna say good triumph over evil, uh, because the nuance is what this episode is somewhat about, but Jimmy did do his work and uh, is the MVL. Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're entirely right. I think Bobby did a good job, but this was really Jimmy's case. Jimmy sort of put this on his shoulders, and with a uh, irascible client of uh, you know uh, mediocre morals, but still, but still got it done, and uh, yeah. Good job, Jimmy. I mean, it just really, you know, watching Jimmy go through this, like, you remember Jimmy the Grunt? And, like, the Jimmy you'd never won a case. And this guy's, like, confident. He's like, I got this. Boom, bang, bang. No problem. Good job, Jimmy! <laughs> Next up, everybody stretch! Already famous because you've been on TV getting a pay. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, sorry, wait, sorry. Wait. Oh, good uh, lord. Sorry. I got sir. a slack. I got a work slack right when you started that. Oh, geez. You know, some of uh, us are pulling double duty as we're podcasting. That I've been doing that for two years. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, go ahead. My bad. My apologies. Have, have you limbered up? <clears throat> okay. Mm, here we go. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Already famous because you've been on TV Getting a paycheck First entry on your IMDb Way to go But you're the best guest actor Boyos and Manos guest actor Breaking Bad best guest actor on the episode uh, I'm going to let you spout why he's the winner, Keith, but it's definitely Breaking Bad. Go for it. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely Mark Margolis, and and he's um, it, there's a lot to say about him as an actor. There's a lot of sort of um, storytelling going on in his face. He has very like expressive. He has a very expressive mouth, which you don't usually see a lot. It's he's usually in the eyes, but he usually does sort of dead eyes. But does a lot of his acting with his lips and his teeth. Interestingly. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's so compelling to watch and so, um, ambiguous mm -hmm. in a lot of ways that he's, he's frequently angry and affronted, but you don't know whether or not you can trust that. And it's a, it's a, I think it's a very interesting, um, characteristic uh, that he has as a performer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was great. I mean, I think they, um, there's an interesting question to be made about what to do with Matt 
uh, Zuckri's performance, who was uh, Lucy's boyfriend, because it was so uh, odd. And I think that was part of it. I, th- I thought thought it was good. I thought there's a lot of storytelling in in his performance there that wasn't said out loud, but I'll talk about that later in the oopsies. Uh, so yeah, it's Mark Margolis for sure. I will mention also that it was an interesting flippy-do the writers did for this episode, and Margolis did excellent with it, in that usually we see uh, someone playing against type and, and we loud performances like that, right? Uh, the the gangster who doesn't act like the gangster to kind right. of spoof everybody. Here, they really he gave us a very mafioso performance, yet playing against the stereotype that he must have done this for the mob to get the to get the the money. We, they used that to to keep us slightly on edge, even though it was never really in doubt whether he was guilty or not. Um, I don't think that was the point. I just thought it was an interesting uh, flip of the trope. And uh, since they are so often, we so often give them shit for playing into the trope, when they do uh, do something more interesting, I think it's worth noting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, congratulations, Mark Magolis, for winning your best guest actor. Okay, well, here we go. It's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Shout out to Marla Sokolov. I thought that, mm-hmm. uh, what a bizarre, what a bizarre set of scenes. I'm sure she read her her scenes and was like, where's the middle part? Uh, because... In the beginning, she's sort of thrown off by this guy, and and then by the end, she's like with him, but is breaking up with him, even though she, it was weird. It, it, we'll talk about it. it. Talk about uneven, and then just like trying to make it work by writing a, a un, an off-screen, off-the-page middle section that doesn't really match the character or the stakes or anything. Uh, I tried to defend it, but the truth of the matter is, we'll talk about it later, it's just dumb. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> shout out there shout out to three incredible actresses in Cameron Mannheim Lisa Gay Hamilton and Kelly Williams who were asked okay. to give a wonderful performance of Pirates of Penzance yeah just an absolute asinine thing and then all of a sudden are like in a trying to defend a kid from like 17 concurrent 14,000 concurrent whatever 7, that 7,000 years yeah. just bizarre jail. just bizarre and uneven and stupid. Uh, shout out to Steve Harris, who is on vacation today, <laughs> this week. Uh, but he's I think, getting his kitchen remodeled. I bet it's beautiful. You know, we talk about it often. You know, remember Jimmy the Grunt? Remember Michael Bataluco bringing, filling that character in? And all these episodes later, uh, crushing another monologue. But more than that, yeah. more than that, all of the the pathos and discovery in that last monologue about his father wasn't out of the blue. Might have felt that way in the writing, but all of that was supported by his performance throughout the episode. It really is is interesting because if, if we were to watch that again, and Keith, you have, so I'll let you comment on it. They don't really talk about his discover. You don't really. They don't hammer his discovery of 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 his dad and, and what he meant to him 
throughout the episode. That wasn't even kind of the point. We got a couple of the beats in those little like law and order moments early, but but his just his performance when he's told that he wants Bobby to do the the cross examination instead of Jimmy. There's a subtle performance there from Jimmy that that tells a story. He's always telling a story. He's always telling a story, whether he's speaking or not. And so I think uh, once again, Michael Badalucco flexes without being showy, uh, just how excellent he is and why he deserved that Emmy. Yeah, no, for sure. And and it, it, sort of and as we've talked about before, uh, for men, the father son thing just really cuts right to your or for mo- for many men, it it cuts right to your heart. And it's a very interesting performance for Michael. And it's also filling in a bit of the gap. Keep talking. The the cat's killing the fish. Oh, cool. It's a, it's a bit of uh, filling in the gap of Jimmy's backstory because we've met Jimmy's mother. We know that Jimmy's father is gone, but we also know that Jimmy comes from a very sort of blue collar background and it very much informs the character of Jimmy where Jimmy's father worked. So Jimmy's father worked in a warehouse. He was a blue collar guy. And so Jimmy, when he enters the series, especially with the Jimmy the Grunt stuff, but also he's, he's, al- he's always had the sort of like Boston Catholic blue collar background that has informed his character. And now we l- learn a little bit more about uh, Jimmy's father and where Jimmy's sense of ethics comes from. And uh, that sort of very old school, the boss is some sort of a, you know, a important person within a family's life back when, <laughs> back in the day when people had bosses their whole lives, as opposed to changing careers every three years. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, Michael crushed it. Congratulations on your best actor. Oopsie award. Coming up next, our good friend, Tom Brady. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. This week's award for <clears throat> the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady goes to IT guy Tom Brady. IT guy Tom Brady. Inappropriate IT guy Tom Brady. Love it. Love it. Congratulations on your Oopsie Award. Which brings us uh, almost to the end of what we have to do, but it's probably the most important part. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Yeah, it felt very uneven in that the the A case was pretty cut and dry. in fact, if you removed the legacy sort of arc of the 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 questionable DA and Helen's kind of struggle with that situation, which I thought we sort of put to bed last week, but I guess it's just ongoing. It's it it didn't have a lot of teeth to it. It it didn't have a lot of bite. It it wasn't particularly that interesting. I guess in the end we pulled in an, an emotional journey for for Jimmy as well, but It's not bad. In fact, I thought the way I like a pretty cut and dry case. I thought the 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 arsonist was so he was so over the top that it was hard to believe. Unless they had done some sort of flippy do, there was at no point were you at risk for believing him. Right, that he was in on it. Right, that he wasn't in on it. Uh, The B case. 
while I love a Lucy storyline, you know, I'm, I love that character. I, I found it to be completely, especially not only not knowing the way it ended, I found it to be completely sort of in right field, but it was exact, it, it, the tonally it didn't make any sense because it started as a comedic beat, even though Lucy was playing it as like almost, they were, where, where Lucy was and where the three other actresses were, were, were two different shows. They were in different plays. Yeah. And where it ends is in a different play. And then the bit they wrote in the middle doesn't, doesn't match Lucy's character at all. It's clear she's trying to let him down gently. And even if they were just having study dates, right? Like you can't, none of it's justified. Lucy would never have, that's not Lucy's character. It, this is never, that's, she'd never would. I know you and I had like kind of a pretend argument about it in the middle, but the truth of the matter is, is that it, it's moot. Like in my brain, the lore, that never happened. This whole beat with Lucy never happened because it doesn't make any sense. It's completely in left field, right field. Choose your baseball analogy. Uh, so I'm just kind of, I, I'm, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's, it wasn't even interesting, to be honest. I don't even think it serves anything. It's com com you could completely cut it. Like, where do we, did we, did we, did any character move forward because of that plot beat? No. Now, in the other case, we got, though maybe not the most exciting, we got to see some incredible acting, a great guest star, and an emotional journey for Jimmy, and we moved the narrative uh, of the character a little bit further. So I, I give it points, though I found it to be, uh, not particularly suspenseful, but maybe that's not what they were going for. So definitely not a bad episode. I, I do feel like we leaned a little bit on last week. It felt like they tried to tack on a continuation. Once again, it's just, I, I feel like we're, we're grasping for straws a little bit still. We talked about it last week. It was a criticism. I feel like we're still in that. I'm hoping that now we're going to be on 17, 18. We've only got, what, five episodes left this season? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm hoping that, there's only one or two more sort of fillers we're gonna have to get through before we get some sort of like maybe continual end of season arc. Uh, but ultimately I'm gonna give it 7.21 spare tires. Not bad, not great, uh, yeah. sort of middling. Okay, well I'll, I'll work backwards. I'll start with Lucy's story and then, and then talk about the other story. Uh, you said that you love that character and I do too, but this was out of character for that character that we love. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, you you mentioned that they were on study dates. No, they weren't. What are they studying? Lucy's, <laughs> Lucy's like a person with a job, and he's like, is, is he is what like is he helping her with her helping him with his math homework? No. Like it's it's very They're fooling odd. Around. They're fooling around. Like that's yeah. that's what's happening, and that's entirely out of character and inappropriate, and doesn't make any sense. You know, especially you know with Lu Lucy as a rape counselor, as she works for a law firm, she knows that what she's doing. So is all wrong. of that stuff took place six weeks prior to prior that first scene to, to, to us meeting them, which means all of you're you're talking about how Lucy's having in a different scene with the rest of them. Lucy's lying. In those scenes, she's trying to sell the rest of the firm on like, oh, he's this weird kid I never see and like I keep trying to shut him down and he's whatever. No, no, she's not. According to this, they're hanging out for six weeks. So that doesn't make any sense either. And uh, and beyond that, on top of that, 
this guy as played as on screen, he's crazy. He's not just six, 17. He's a nutcase. Like he's, he's completely uh, out of like, if like the performance is just like, he's completely nuts. I don't care what age you are. Somebody behaving like that. Lucy of all people would be like, give me 500 feet because that guy's crazy. And it, it doesn't, it's just weird. It's weird. It's weird. I don't, I don't know why it's there. I don't like it, you know, and, well, Keith, and, you can and, join my team of just writing it off. We're just, I'm just erasing I'm it. Just going to make it, it non-canon. Happened. Yeah, <laughs> the show probably will. You know, and also escalating it into like the feds are in seven thousand years in prison. We didn't need that. It was already messy enough already. It's it's like the writers didn't think the stakes were high enough in that situ in that situation. Yeah, but it definitely was. Anyway, so uh, yeah. yeah, it's you know, hold on, it's a more interesting beat. If it doesn't go the legal route and Lucy confides in Eleanor, someone that this has gone too far, you know, it turns out I kind of spurred this on. And then there's sort of a, we get to have them as human beings working through yeah. an issue. Or or have Lucy realize he's underage and think, oh my God, what have I done? Work through the consequences of the, of a mistake like that. And, you know, the legal consequences, the emotional consequences, how it ties to stuff that she's gone through. Like, that's an, that's an interesting journey for that character to go on. But no, it's a comedic beat or tossed off or nonsense. Uh, all right. So the other, ca the other case, I, I won't get too far into it. Um, obviously, I wish that Jimmy's emotional journey had been tied to it right from the very beginning. Um, you know, certainly uh, there... It, it was a little bit, there was, there was more to milk out of that to justify that monologue at the end, you know, tying it to Jimmy's dad. I don't know. Th there's just more there to be, to be put together. Uh, the other thought that I had, that the entire episode begins on a premise that makes no sense. Okay. So it starts off with a betrayal because Firebug and Margolis were co-defendants for some reason. Which means that Bobby and Jimmy and this other lawyer had decided it was in their best interest to try these two people together. It makes no sense. Why in God's name would our heroes or Margolis want anything to do with being a co-defendant with that lunatic? So and we just sort of glossed over that. But like, there's That's no way point. in hell. It's a really good point. They would ever want to be co-defendants with that lunatic. I mean, it was it was so obvious. And there's also nothing to be they they weren't working together. There, there was nothing to tie them together. Working as a co-defendant ties them together. And the whole case is their connection. It it's a it it starts off on a false premise. It makes no sense. Now, I'm not just gonna tear apart <laughs> this episode because I think it is partially redeemed by one line. And that is at the end of Jimmy's monologue where he uh, really tears into him for his shitty ethics, Margolis's shitty ethics, and you know tax evasion and dumping toxic waste and all this kind of stuff and the hypocrisy of it all. And his response was, I'm a businessman. And I think that is where the episode actually had something to say. 
that that the uh, the ethics of a business are separate from the ethics of an individual. And you know, <laughs> and sorry, Mitt, <laughs> companies aren't people, and because they have very different objectives. They have very different sets of ethics, very different goals. And and uh, I thought that that was a very an interesting thing to tack on to the end of this episode and delivered well in the best scene of the episode. So I think that made it a little bit more interesting to me. Uh, otherwise, I'd be like, ah, what on earth is this episode trying to say? Uh, so for that reason, it gets an extra half a point that I wasn't going to give it. Uh, so I'm going to give it 6.82. Okay. So we're, uh, we're relatively in line. Relatively. I think you liked it more than I did. But, uh, yeah. but nonetheless, uh, that's what you get, episode. It's time to hit our Easter egg. What do you think it is? I got nothing. Uh, is I got nothing. Is that Billy Bush? Who is it? Guys, that is uh, <laughs> that is Kurt Russell and one of the lesser Baldwins in Backdraft, which this uh, episode was a shameless ripoff of. Okay, I like it. I like the, it. I'll take the it. Great, <laughs> the great movie Backdraft that I forced I'm Jillian not sure to I've watch I've ever lately. seen it. I'm not sure I've ever watched Backdraft. Oh, wow. It's... I, 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 no, it's not. It's it's very entertaining. It's incredibly nineties. Mm. It is like peak nineties action dude movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I watched it again with Jillian, and I was, and she was like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "The nineties." So <laughs> if you would, uh, if you would enjoy the nineties, and hopefully you do, because you're listening to this podcast, uh, kind of about the nineties. You can tell us all about your love. And you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. While you're doing it, be judgy. Please judge us. We desperately want you to judge us on the Apple Podcast review system. You can join the jury or any other system you want. You know who has judged us and perhaps unfairly well? is our founding sponsors, including Jorge Navoa, CloudLover69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Did you know that you can join them? And you can do so by leaving us a one-time donation or a monthly contribution by clicking the links in the show notes. Believe it or not, your financial uh, support goes a long way. Uh, Or at least it goes some sort of a way. Uh, you can also help us out by letting people know that the show isn't just for those who love the practice. Anybody can get something out of it. Or, hell, just tell them to watch the Star Trek podcast, which is happening yeah. and going well. Do me another favor. Send laser sounds to five friends, who then will send laser sounds to five more friends, who then will finally end up putting you in jail for 17,000 years. Laser pyramid. <laughs> <laughs>